What about you? What's your story? My story, um, I am what is commonly known as a serial killer. Um, I don't love that nomenclature. I sort of consider myself a murderer, but uh, my numbers are such that I am now classified as a serial killer. Serial killer. Okay. Yes, I am a killer. I have killed 39 people. This is something that I love to do. It's the greatest job in the world. It's what I'm built to do. Um, but I'm also turning 40 this year, which is like, grays in the beards, a lot of stuff happening. And it's making me a little midlifey. And it's kind of sent me into a little bit of a spiral. I don't trust my instincts anymore. And I feel like I may have lost what made me great. Welcome to the 103rd episode of the Fear of God podcast. 103. Here we are just trucking along. You know, the, the Fear of God podcast, if you've never been with us before, um, we occupy that rather abandoned intersection between faith and horror. Talking to you right now is Nathan Rouse. Uh, one of your intrepid co-hosts. Typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. He was here a second ago. and It, it, was, it was a little weird, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, he did say he wanted to go get a towel so we could slap each other in, like, in a locker room. And I was, I was just like, I, I never did that in the locker room, you know. I, but y'all, while he's gone, I thought, I'm going to show him because y'all can't see it now, but I'm butt naked because apparently that breaks... <laughs> <laughs> it breaks the wall down you know they just say if you just if you're just naked with someone else it just breaks down that wall you know so i mean this it's gonna be a weird one y'all um but just 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 buckle just buckle up because here we go just steamrolling into number two um <laughs> Um, while, while we wait on Reed, while we wait on Reed and y'all get into whatever state of clothedness or not that you'd like to, cause it, 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 it does break down walls. Um, if you haven't yet before, we would love it if maybe, maybe not after the last minute, but, uh, we would love it if you would go to iTunes and leave us a rating, leave us a review, subscribe to this podcast just to, to just get so much more frivolity and ridiculousness that you you've come to know and love and or despise, but yet you keep coming back because we're just that show. Um, so please go do that. Read, read. Hey, watch it, buddy. Nope. Nope. Please don't put the towel down. 
Put the towel down, okay? You, you want me to put the towel down? Do I you, do want you, you to put the... Well, yes. <laughs> because the image I was going for is you smacking me, and now you make it sound like you're wearing one, and I'm telling you to put it down. That's not... So just there's a whole lot of mixed signals going on here, buddy. And uh, oh, I thought we were doing know. this thing. We're not doing this thing. Okay, all right. I, I misunderstood. I misunderstood. You know, here's what's funny about that. What's normally, funny about that? Tell me. Normally, I would push back a lot and be like, "Oh my gosh, we're gonna do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna." But it's episode 103. No, no, no. That has nothing to do with it. If you've seen this film, then like, like listeners, listeners who who would approach this as like, if you've remotely seen this film, you know everything that we're referring to, and it makes perfect sense. So we're just gonna roll with it. Yeah, Ugh. I mean, you're you're introduced to Mark's Duplass for the first time. Um, <laughs> at least my first time. I don't know. Maybe there's other. Maybe he's shown up in other movies along with Mark. So can we? Com- so before we get into all of our other stuff, can we comment on the fact that like that particular moment? That specific moment, like we said about Creep, the original Creep, it's like I kept sitting there like, is is this really about to happen? Like, is this is this gonna is he really gonna do that? Oh, he did. Let's it. come back. Let's come. Let's come back to this. Let's come back to this. I oh mean, I'm gosh. with you, but I I want to spend more. I really I really want us to camp out on that moment. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it deserves some of our time. It yeah, 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 yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the fear of God. Uh, we are in a, a small series here <laughs> called <laughs> called number two. Man, it is just everywhere. It's just all you can't you, you, you can't you can't say two sentences without walking into a dick or poop joke. <laughs> oh, my oh my gosh. Listeners, uh, what I'm hoping won't happen is listeners who are like, man, they kept it so classy for 100 episodes, and now they've just decided to just uh, rip the towel away. Let's just oh, do yeah. whatever. Just, oh, yeah. that's funny. Yeah. So, so yes, we're in a little series here, three-episode series called Number Two, where we are examining some some classic, some, some campy, uh, some sequels. Um, that's what this series is all about. In addition to just having some fear of God inside jokery going on. <laughs> uh, before we get, um, that coming, I was trying to figure out if I could sing what you're watching to the tune of my dingling, but I can't, I can't get it. <laughs> get it? I'm so tempted to just leave that <laughs> sentence in. Please, please, I don't care. You know me. I don't care. I just let it all hang out. You know, here I am. It's all me. <laughs> vulnerability before the lord brother you know dance like david danced you know like just just go <laughs> for it so anyway what what are you watching what are you reading what are you <laughs> listening to Ow. oh my gosh oh, oh my, my gosh. goodness read what are you watching what are you reading what are you listening to brother okay just so give it, me just just one okay because i really want oh, to get no, to, no, no, no. to, yeah, yeah. to mark's to... duplus and Pizza's, okay <laughs> i really so it's getting it's getting mixed mixed to negative reviews, which disappoints me because I really enjoyed it. But as listeners probably know by now, I have been a longstanding fan uh, since the second season, uh, a longstanding loyal fan, even through some of the weaker years of The Simpsons. Well, um, as everybody, every creative in the world is uh, at least doing something for Netflix, Matt Groening, creator of the yep. series... The Simpsons dropped a new 10 episode series onto Netflix only called Disenchantment. 
and uh, I watched all of it, and I I really dug it. Like I really liked it. It's not the kind of thing. I will say this as sort of a blanket statement that if you are a fan of the Simpsons at some of their weaker moments, I'm not saying like some of their like wow that's not funny at all because they've definitely had moments like that. Um, but if you're a fan of some of their more mediocre moments, then I think you'll be really genuinely impressed by Disenchantment because it feels rather fresh. The reason I set it up that way is because if you're a fan of like prime rib Simpsons, like that season, you know, three through nine Simpsons, Disenchantment def- definitely doesn't reach those heights, but it's genuinely clever. It's genuinely fun. Um, it tells a story that at first feels very episodic, like the first maybe six or seven episodes feel very self-contained and just like, oh, these are wacky little adventures in this little world but then towards the end set up a larger uh, I won't say richer yet but larger more complex mythology that may play itself out in future seasons they've already been renewed for a season two so I, I don't know exactly where they're going with it but I genuinely enjoyed it and I will say like if you're a f- if you're a fan of pretty clever when I say adult animation there's nothing dirty or perverted in it it's just the the jokes are a little bit more geared towards uh mature sensibilities then i would definitely say to give disenchantment a a a chance because i really enjoyed it i was surprised after finishing it to see that the reviews were somewhat mediocre to negative but again i'm only giving maybe that's appropriate because i'm only giving kind of a half-hearted recommendation as it is but i've really enjoyed it and i thought it was good and you did finish it is that what you said oh yeah yeah i watched all of it Yeah. yeah um yeah i've seen pretty tepid tepid response to it but uh, which is unfortunate because someone like me who has an a distance affection for the simpsons like Mm -hmm. i appreciate it i'm not i don't have the the brain for it or or the time the bandwidth for it um but might appreciate a grainig enterprise to have a tepidly reviewed disenchantment i'm like eh that's all right. I'll pass. No, I understand. Can I share before you give yeah. yours one joke from it that I thought was really funny? Please. There's a demon. There's a demon character in it, and um, as a as like a main character, and he's very witty. But he there's one point at which he's like possessed this girl, and this exorcist is trying to drive him out. And when the exorcist is trying trying to drive him out, he's like, "This will require the sacred tool." And then the demon looks at him and goes, "You're a sacred tool." And I just thought <laughs> that joke was really funny. It's just, it's just going to be that, it's just going to be that episode, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not even drinking anything tonight. I'm Mountain Dew. <laughs> I'm like a Mountain Dew over oh, here, but it was just yeah. it's so funny. I just thought that joke was so funny. He's like, this will require the sacred tool. And the demon goes, you're a sacred tool. And I just thought, uh, I just thought it was funny. It struck me yeah. as a surprise and I loved it. What are you watching, Nathan? <laughs> What are you watching, reading, or listening Wow. To? Well, you know what? I'm actually, I'm going to surprise you here. I'm going to go high-minded. Um... Uh oh. So, actually, I referenced months ago the podcast I think called Bookish uh, with Sonia oh, Walger yes. of yes. Lost. Look at week. <laughs> I love Lost, and how <laughs> she featured she featured Damon Lindelof on an episode, and in that interview, he referenced. The book Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. Have you read oh, this? Read I haven't this? read that one, but the um, but I'm familiar with Colson Whitehead. Okay, well, it's funny. I just downloaded it because of Lindelof's 
um, recommendation because he just, goodness gracious, he really gave it a very, very, very strong endorsement. And honestly, just looking it up, I'm about halfway through it. Um, looking it up for talking about now, I was like, oh, it won the Pulitzer Prize. Oh, it's a National Book Award winner. Um, oh, so wow. I, I really, I really didn't know those things before reading it. It was purely just his recommendation. So far, it's very captivating. Um, it, it's mm. <laughs> my, my wife just gets on to me. She's like, why do you do this to yourself? I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it is fiction, but it's like not, you know, I mean, it's, it's oh, heavy, okay. yeah, 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 heavy, yeah. heavy, hard, sad slavery fiction. And, and, um, I remember reading, we were eight years in power and just like shaking my head back and forth in bed at night. And she's like, you, you just love torturing yourself, don't you? Um, mm. so then I, <laughs> so then I turned on creep too, and all's right with the world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I am reading Underground Railroad. I highly recommend it. I will check in with us again when I finish it, to, presuming that recommendation stands. But it's it's powerful. It's tragic and sad and, mm. and really great fiction. So that is what I am reading, Reed. Nice, nice. So, ladies and gentlemen, that has been yet another installment of What Are You Watching? What are you reading? What are you listening to? <laughs> I, love, I love, like, we are willfully trying to change the tune. Like, it's hard for me. Every it is hard time. for it's me difficult. to, like, change the yeah. tune because it's so ingrained. No, and it's true. It's true. Whether it's just enunciating all of the words instead of just these sort of more abbreviated kind of casual version. <laughs> Or the more formalized operatic version, you know. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, before we get into uh, Mark's Duplass, so basically, um, we we did hear from quite a few of you, and we now have a list, a full list of a hundred films. Okay, a hundred films that are your official nominees for hashtag I love the 80s. So hashtag I love the 80s 80s is coming in October. Um, If you will check the various social media outlets, you will see our good old faithful survey monkey survey up there. Like we did with the 90s, you're going to be voting on your favorites by year. Some years there are enough entries to you're going to pick three favorites. Some you're going to pick five favorites. Some you're going to pick only one or two, but all of the years are broken down. So the films are separated into the year they were released and you're going to pick your favorites there uh, we have some math behind the scenes that then produces a top hundred list um, and hashtag I love the 80s will feature films from your selected top 10 so make your way over to the social media feed if for some reason you do not have a Facebook a Twitter an Instagram but you want to participate in the survey email us fear of God podcast at gmail.com and we will send you the survey directly so I just had to Reed. make a plug for hashtag yeah, the 80s I'm glad you did I'm excited I'm I am look I like the 80s brother oh it's Um, gonna be so fun I mean I'm so excited yeah that was a good decade the Nintendo came (laughs) out in the 80s oh my gosh yes yes it did um the world was forever changed what else happened in the 80s The, the Berlin Wall came down. <laughs> I just I just love that you're like, the Nintendo was released. What else? You, can, you can tell what, what defined else my youth. <laughs> like, what was else happened? Anything else? I think, there was I think Zelda there was 1, something. then there was Zelda 2, The Adventures of Link. 
Mario 3, the wizard, the wizard came out and it featured Mario Brothers 3 and showed you how to get the first warp whistle. (laughs) That's really the summation of the 80s. You know, I mean, you mentioned, you know, the, the, the Berlin Wall fell down, but we can't, you know, we can't lose sight of the biggest political game changer in the history of the United States of America in which Rocky Balboa single handedly (laughs) defeated Ivan Drago in the 80s. I mean, like, come on, like, and apparently. You know, what's old is new again, and Ivan Drago's progeny is going to make an appearance in Creed 2, and oh my god. Go, oh, I'm so excited about that movie. Man, I'm so excited. I'm so eager. But we can't, time, we can't go there. Time is a go. flat circle. Oh. So yeah, the 80s. I love the 80s. You love the <laughs> 80s. We all love the 80s and ice cream. So Reed, today we are back at it. We are joining our old friend, whatever his name is. Uh, this time around, uh, it's Aaron. <laughs> right, right. For Creep. So, uh, peek behind the curtain here. When we were sort of hatching this little series, we were very intentional, you know, because, I mean, whether it's horror or any other genre, there's just so many stupid sequels. And it was really valuable to us. A couple, uh, there was a few criteria, and I think you'd speak to this too, Reed. One, you know, Freddy versus Jason took whatever criteria we might have had and just threw it out the window. Um, and, <laughs> and I was like, chopped that, with that it wins. Yes. Chopped it with an axe, sliced it with some finger knives. Um, but it's so, it's so like gonzo, it's kind of its own thing. It just sort right, of serves right. as a sequel. But, you know, we didn't want you guys to have to do a ton of work. You know, if you hadn't seen, if you hadn't seen something we've, not covered. We didn't want to cover something we hadn't already covered an initial entry to. We may get there at some point, but right now it was like, well, let's do the lowest barrier to entry. That's also going to potentially yield some pretty different conversation or more robust version of conversations of the first go round. So I had put on the table an interest in creep too, just cause I really was a fan of the first one. And Reed had already seen it naturally, but was able to say, yeah, I do think there's some different things because the last thing we want to do to each other or you guys is just rehash the same old conversation. Right. right. Okay. Well, you know, the same, same talking points, uh, from one entry to its subsequent follow-up. So Creed two, Creed (laughs) two, uh, creep two, creep two, um, you know, kind of made the short list and just kind of kept staying on that short list until ultimately it's like, okay, these are the three we want to do. Um, so last week was Freddy versus Jason. This week we are doing creep creep two. And next week we will be looking at purge anarchy. It is worth mentioning one little bit of business read while we're, um, before we're fully into this, you mentioned this a couple of weeks ago as a reminder on the horizon is quarterly King four, which will in fact be, uh, featuring the stand, Absolutely. you know, if you've never seen it, if you've never read it, um, you definitely have time to watch it. You might not have time to read it if you're starting from scratch. Um, but you know, wanting to remind you guys that is coming, uh, refresh yourself. If you've read it before or seen it before, uh, expose yourself anew to it, <laughs> expose yourself, <laughs> um, to it. If you, if you've never, uh, done so before, it is a worthy tome. And it is, in fact, a tome. Uh, but mm, we will be discussing absolutely. that very shortly in Quarterly King 4. But enough of that. Here we are. Creep 2. Dun, dun, so I don't remember who it was, but someone on the Facebook group recently was like, right, right after we started the Facebook group, shortly after it, was like, oh, my gosh, did y'all get a load of Mark and Creep 2? And I was like, oh, man, 
spoilers. I don't want to know. So I didn't read the thread. <laughs> um, and then I just knew for what it's worth. And, you know, we've alluded to this up till now. Mark Duplass does appear full frontal in it. What I was worried might happen in this movie was far worse than what actually happens. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> I understand. OK, yeah, that's yeah, a. Yeah. That's a, that's a naked adult man, you know? Um, but anyway, he, yeah, so that happens in the movie. So is this your second time seeing this, Reed? This Had is my second it? time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw it actually prior to, uh, I had seen it before we recorded on the first one, on the very first uh, creep. It is, it is not fair to say your level of Freddy versus Jason, your level of passion for Freddy versus Jason is similar here, but dude, I... I really liked this movie a lot. Sure. Like, sure. I understand. Yeah, yeah. I liked creep one a lot and I can even recognize the weaknesses of creep one or creep as it's titled. And they almost just eliminate all of the weaknesses of creep with creep two. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it does not feel meandering in the, the sort of way that creep can feel a little bit. You know, it's very tight and very direct and definitely does some different things with its narrative. I just I really, really dug this movie a lot. Nice. I, you know, what's funny that you mentioned that. So we are not about to have a Stranger Things 2 moment. It's not it's nowhere near that because I agree with everything that you said. But I did notice and I noticed it the first time through. And when I watched it the second time, I was attentive to this because and, and this is just my experience of it or my take on it. The film for the first maybe 45 minutes to the 50 minute mark for me has me like riveted, like I don't even want to look away from the screen and uh, culminating in. And I'm sure we'll get into some specifics here in a little bit culminating in that scene sort of in their basement area where he's in the tub where the and then right, she gets right. in the tub and all that stuff. From the and here's what's weird because it happened the very first time I watched the movie and I was ready and and like wanting to dive in but it happened again the second time I watched the movie from the moment the the sort of tub scene ends through till their, the their tubby time their tubby time yes from the moment their tubby time ends until they make it to the woods I find myself zoning in and out. I find well, myself and, like, and like, hear me. like we're, we're lapsing. Def- yeah, we're, we're definitely not going to have a Stranger Things too. Like I'm by no means am I saying like this is a perfect film. I would, you know, shout from the rooftops. I would disrobe and, and you know, <laughs> expose all I've got in order to petition and campaign for this movie. I just think I was so impressed with the form. Um, sure, sure. You yeah. know, and, and honestly, for our purposes, this movie is not scary. Like it's it mm. just is to me. It I mean, there's one or two kind of little like the 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 sort of uh what you think is her murder at the end is a is a bit alarming but sure sure for what creep one accomplishes in terms of the dread they completely intentionally deflate that balloon in this yes one. yeah mm-hmm. and and i think i think because i i totally agree with you i think i think there's an easy case to be made that it does sort of lag a little bit here and there I just think I was so taken with the inversion of the concept. Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't seen either of these, the first creep, a videographer that is not Duplass responds to a Craigslist ad. We go back and listen to that first episode, but he is, and he is a definitive mark for what you learn is Duplass's character, serial killer. Mm -hmm. Well, this one similar sort of setup 
but what you learn is she as is as much it, it just kind of inverts it they they become equals and it's a really yeah, fascinating right. back and forth that happens when you've got and part of it is her performance i mean she just really sure yeah she's incredible holds her yeah. holds her own no question with him in this movie and in the way that i think the first one you kind of just have to buy in that that aaron guy goes along with it all mm, you know right, like you're right, like right, right. Ah, mm-hmm. i don't know if i totally think this is realistic but whatever i'm along for the ride hers feels more organic and natural mm-hmm. it's right. it's it's like okay you know she's not really safe, but she gives some compelling reasons that you could make the case might be thin, but do make sense for her as a character to stick around. Yeah, well, and and see, this is what I love about this film, and I th- I can't remember if I mentioned this in the in the first Fear of God creep episode, but what impressed me significantly in the in the viewing of this both times was. Every single time where you think the film would likely like hide its hand or like pretend or, or, or give a conceit about something, it just goes ahead and puts its cards on the table every like every single time. What I mean by that is you think, oh, she's walking in. She has no idea he's a serial killer. What's going to happen? Because she has no idea he's a serial killer. But we know. And then he tells her straight. Oh, up, it's great. In the, in the first 10 minutes that they're together, he's like, so I'm a serial killer. I'm a murderer. And then, and then and you're sitting here like, oh, my gosh, what? Well, to me, what's so fascinating about that, and, you know, we we can if you want, but don't have to have like a minor conversation here about just sort of screenwriting but or storytelling. Storytelling, especially in film, is just all about what the characters are keeping from each other. Mm, mm-hmm. And so, you know, in the first film, you you suspect there's something weird about this guy. Right. And, and right. you come to learn your suspicions are correct, but he is clearly keeping information. So it's so anomalous of an experience as a viewer, because though it is a sequel, we know who this character is. And so right. he sits there and says to her at the like 10 minute mark. By the way, I'm a serial killer. I've done all these things. You know, don't worry. I'm not going to kill you for the next 24 hours or whatever. And what's impressive about the narrative is she doesn't buy it. Yeah, that's. I mean, to me, that's just such a a deft storytelling maneuver, and and why I would say it's 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 a very worthy kind of sequel. It does not just kind of rehash and go back to the the same ideas. And, and so this is what like getting, getting back to that, that like, I'll mention, I'll mention two things. So her character, again, uh, you think there's going to be all these sort of hidden conceits in it, but you mentioned earlier how it gives you direct reasons why she would stay. Like when she has that moment where she goes into the bathroom and she's like, okay, yeah, all of your red flags are going up. And then she's, but then, and that's why. And I mean, there are people who feel this way, and I'm not even about to get into this debate, but there are people who feel like, okay, there should never be any any reason for nudity in film. That this, and, and they they make some strong cases for that, or there's, you know, there, I have heard some compelling arguments on both sides of it. I am personally in the camp that when the narrative justifies it, and when the narrative, uh, and, and it's not gratuitous, that it is actually forwarding these characters' relationships or some element, uh, degree of the plot then I feel like there's some merit to it. Yes, we can get into the creative discussions about that. That's not for this moment. When he comes, this moment we keep alluding to, if you haven't seen this film, is he 
he she he recognizes that she doesn't believe him so he shows her the ending of the first film and and shows her like hey i did this 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 right. is me this is me killing this guy she he he can tell that she still doesn't buy it so the man runs upstairs and then comes back down in nothing but a towel and as i'm sitting there watching it the first time i'm sitting there like what's it what's he about to do like i don't understand like he's down here in a towel and he starts talking about like hey you just have to remove that barrier so you just have to you know what do they look like naked you just have to wonder about that and so then when he says are you ready for that and she says okay and then just rips off his towel and here's what's impressive to me about that why it's so sort of unnerving is there's no sort of adornment to it the camera's just stationary it's just there and it just happens and so then he's just standing there for like a minute um you know fully exposed which you know fair you know fair warning for people who are not who are offended by that sort of thing that is in this film but then she subverts him by being like it's my turn like can it be my turn now and you can see on his face where he's like uh okay okay (laughs) then like there's just all of this interesting little back and forth where every time you think the film is going to sort of uh again the phrase i keep coming back to every time you think the film is going to hide it just reveals and i'm saying that you know using the metaphor and whatever I, i thought this is where you're about to go in terms of the nudity and film idea like i i will give credit here i read this and it it just kind of opened my eyes even more to how much i appreciated it in a review but notice so so the nudity yes he he exposes himself he's head to toe naked on screen well then she says is it my turn and like the first film this is a found footage concept you know right, other, right. you know it's 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 you know, a handheld camera kind of approach because she's a filmmaker. Well, I thought this is where you're going. Did you notice talking about moving character and plot forward that when she disrobes, he is discomforted by it and the camera is only on her yes. face. Yes. And I was like, he that's brilliant. In. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, it, it's, I don't know. It was just such a great choice creatively. Because you as a viewer, you're like, um, and you know, as a male viewer, I, I, you know, it's a naked dude. I'm like, ah, yeah, that's, that's a naked dude. Um, Mm -hmm. but when you subvert that and the sort of at least historically inherent titillation of a nude female, you start to feel uncomfortable watching it and you're like, oh, well, okay, whatever. Yeah. Like don't do this. And then he's zooming in like, wow, this is really powerful what they're doing and sort of the revel, the revealing idea you're talking about here. Oh, Um, absolutely. I I skipped over inadvertently, like to your point about maybe the draggy nature of the, the kind of three fourths mark, I was so propelled by the first 30 minutes, starting with the scene with Dave. Right? Oh the, my the gosh. Yes. That performer yes. is so great. Oh, he's he wonderful. is so yes. great. I was like, this poor schlub is, it, um, the movie opens with effectively just a, a five minute version of the first film, like just another yes. victim of Duplass's character. Uh, he, he plays all his cards. Uh, he kills this poor sap within minutes who just thought he had a friend. I mean, and it's such a great vignette that ends with they're at this, like, you know, just, just run of the mill dining room table. Um, he has slit the guy's throat. The guy slumps over. There's blood everywhere. And Duplass just puts his hand on his head and is talking about having turned 40 
you know, and, oh my and just, gosh, stare, just stares at the camera. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm turning 40 next year. Who do I need to kill? No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you either have to kill yourself, kill somebody, or expose yourself to somebody. Um, oh my gosh! That's Please don't do either of, of those. That's things. the rules of forty. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I was just really propelled by that opening kind of half hour, and I even loved the opening score. I know that's random, but the title oh, score sure. is right, just right, really right. strong. Yes. You mentioned this already, but I love the brazenness of his monologue to her. Um, mm, yeah. Probably two of my favorite. I'm just kind of plowing through these. I'm sorry. Sure. Um, no, you're fine. You're fine. Two of my favorite moments from this movie that just made me just laugh to the room and say, did you see that? Isn't that funny? Just <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing, up. I'm rubbing off. You on are. Me. You're picking yes. up. I'm picking up your habits. Um, <laughs> one, I love. So in the first film, if you haven't seen it, this recurring convention that happens is the videographers following him around the videographer loses him as they're wandering through the the woods and duplass just leaps into frame and yells and kind of screeches at you and and you as the viewer are, are genuinely sort of alarmed when it happens well they start having this sort of mutual respect start to develop between them in the second film the 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 woman filmmaker and and him i'm not even looking at their name sarah is her name yeah um and he attempts the scream at her and she's totally unfazed. Yeah. And, yeah, and just, and, and in a great bit of acting by Mark Duplass, he just is like, he's incredulous. And he just, <laughs> on, 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 just totally naturally on camera, he's like, huh, well, you're a tough nut to crack. I mean, it was just a great, oh, so great. little character moment that just did a whole lot with a very little. So I so, love that. Yeah, go ahead. And I don't know which ones these are. But the film just had a rough outline at like with the first one, they did not have a script. Right. So what what I read was that because the film was only an outline, a lot of the choices and, and I don't know what they are. It is entirely possible that Duplass's choice to just come down and appear naked was completely spontaneous <laughs> because it said a lot of their choices were unknown to the other one. So a lot of the reactions are real. Wow. A lot of the decisions that they made were not uh, like they didn't know what the other person was always going to do. Sure. And um, and then again, I, I don't know specifically which moments were planned, which moments were part of the outline, which moments were spontaneous. But I just thought that was really fascinating that they crafted this. And because it's a pairing that is intentionally subverting the first pairing, like you said, they're kind of equals. So the choices that they would make. Uh, would continually like surprise the other one. And I just, I, I thought that was fascinating. Um, one thing that I really loved getting back to like his, his sort of feeling flummoxed that she's not unnerved by it. I love that after the film's been going for a little while and sh he's coming up and she's taking a shower because they, you know, they've, they've uh, been doing all these different <laughs> yeah. things. And then he creeps up there, and when he creeps up, it's like you totally think he's going to scare her. I can't remember if he's got the mask on at that point or what, but you totally think he's going to scare her. And when he rips the shower curtain back where you, you know, she's taking a shower, when he rips the shower curtain back, she has put, like, scotch tape all yes. over her face in this weird array, and she does the scream 
to him oh, and great. and genuinely like gets him where he's like where he gets scared it's fantastic it's it's great yeah there's there's a lot of and that's what i think is necessary for if you're watching this film there's tons of intentional subversion of expectation happening uh, sometimes just beat for beat there's like what you expect to happen almost the entirely opposite thing is about to take place. Well, and you talk about subversion, you know, we had a brief mini conversation last week during FVJ Dawn of Viscera uh, about <laughs> the, about the, the um, pivot from fear to camp. And I think what's so interesting in this movie, I would not categorize either of these as campy in intention, but they utterly and completely subvert what is genuinely creepy in the first film. And that is peach fuzz. Oh yes. The peach yes. fuzz mask and his behavior with it on in the first movie is genuinely scary to me. Right. I mean, right. They're, they're, oh no, it is. It's yes. used to great effect and it is totally defanged. You like that? Mm -hmm. Uh, nice. in this second film, but so Peach Fuzz shows up twice in this movie. One, he's just driving and she's got the camera on and he's just talking just from under Peach Fuzz. Oh whereas in the gosh. first one, he's like heavy breathing and all this stuff. And it's really a funny bit. Well, then probably and or possibly my favorite just comedic moment of the movie is he's trying to convince her to cut his head off with an axe. And... He puts peach fuzz on and, yes, yes. and lay and lays on his stomach with his head over a, you know, over the end of a table so that if she, if she actually does cut his head off, it's going to fall off. And she, she goes to start swinging. He's got peach fuzz on. And he's like, Oh, wait, wait, hold, hold on. And she pauses and he just goes, woo, like a, like at a sporting event, <laughs> like in peach fuzz character. And he's like, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Oh my gosh. It was hysterical. Yeah, no, it was, it was fantastic. It was really fantastic. And you're right. It's like, that's what it almost feels like. And I, I, I know I felt this way. I can't remember if I told you this in sort of pitching creep two to you, but it feels like all of the obvious places where you would think a sequel goes, they just, they go to, uh, it's almost as if they made out a list, and maybe they did, I don't know. It's almost as if they made out a list. Okay, here's what sequels are expected to do. They're expected to up the ante here, or they're expected to do this, or they're expected to do this. And it's almost as if they were like, all right, all of these bullet points on this list of what sequels are quote-unquote supposed to do, let's just do the opposite. Let's just do the exact opposite thing. Instead of making Peach Fuzz creepier, let's just completely inoculate him you know right and then right. and and then instead of making you know instead of hiding the fact that he's a serial killer let's just go ahead and tell the audience right up top this is what i am and tell the characters this is what i am this is what you're about to see and it's just well, what's so funny nuts. about you saying that is the feeling i had and i know i keep coming back to that i'm a serial killer monologue but and i'm just now kind of finding the art the words to articulate this feeling when when he says those lines I remember having this like subconscious, like, wait a minute, you're breaking the rules. Like, this is not <laughs> right. Right. You know, this wait, that's no, 
that you're guys you're limiting your creative potential after this moment you know it's like this real feeling of like are you sure you want to do this you know oh my gosh it's great it's so great yeah it's really really good so yeah there's lots of there's lots of really and in the same vein as the first one there's lots of really unsettling unnerving moments do you have any specific uh, well if you were done with likes dislikes do you have any specific sort of scares or or moments that creeped you out um significantly you know I only wrote down one, but I will add another to it. But I mean, her taped face literally made me jump. I mean, it, oh, it, it's very scary. I, I, yes, I, I yeah. legitimately jumped when that happened. Um, we talk about subverting things that definitely did the trick. Um, although it did also make me think of Pee Wee Herman uh, in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, um, <laughs> as everything does. And, uh, yeah, you know, like <laughs> oh my god. So <laughs> I do think the I don't know what I would have thought was going to happen, but. But once they're out in the woods and he, it, it's revealed that the the hole he's dug, that that mm-hmm. is a little for a movie that had had begun to make me comfortable in the comedy in the black comedy. Right, right. That moment, I was like, oh no. <laughs> well, and that's also where it pivots for her as a character too. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that is the moment where suddenly, you know, she spent this entire time basically like, oh man, this guy's jacked up. He's just. And we haven't mentioned this right now. The re- the way that she gets roped into this is not merely that she answers a personal ad. You know, the way that um, Aaron did in the first film is she is actually making a web series called that she calls encounters where she answers personal ads of strangers and tries to do this kind of she's initially sort of going for a slice of life type of peek behind the suburban life curtain and just like hey these are the secret worlds of these strange people what kind of connections are they trying to trying to draw from and then as a function of that show she gets roped into Mark Duplass's character who in the first film was called I think I forget if he was called Josh or something but in this film he has taken on the name of his of the last yeah. film's victim which is is really unsettling in its own right but um so she just sort of gets caught in his little web and we don't know exactly what what he's got planned for her but all of that stops like all of the like you said, all of the fun, all of the, oh, this is weird and quirky and just sort of unsettling and we're not sure where it's going. When you see that he's dug this grave, then immediately it's like, oh, crap. And again, that's how it gets for her as well. She takes on this this aura of like, okay, this was, now I have made a grave miscalculation and I've gotten myself into potentially a fatal situation here. Well, um, and I do think so, yeah. that whole that whole sequence is strong. I mean, I, I not just the grave reveal itself, but man, when he stabs her multiple times kind of in the distance and that's that's really alarming and yes. jarring and then when he drags her into the into the open pit and yeah. You know, then he's talking to the camera and she kind of claws her way out of it. It's it's a very effective Oh my gosh. couple of minutes. Yeah, and I don't. You commented. We, I think we both did on the first film about how impressive his ultimate kill of jo- of uh, of Aaron in the first film is. Yeah, like how it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I don't know how that. But in the same way, like the way he kills Dave in the very beginning, I'm like, man, that looks that looks eerily real. <laughs> right. And then, yeah. And then when she and the, where I'm going with that is that when she crawls out of there and grabs that shovel and <laughs> clocks him upside the head, I'm like. I don't know how they, I know it's trickery, but I don't know how they did that. That looked right. 
very authentic. <laughs> Don't know how they did that. Well, and to that point, and you know, spoiler alert, the movie ends, she does get away. And I mean, it's been highly suggested and or is in the works that there's going to be a third film, but she gets away. And the last shot of the film is, is from a sort of found footage camera vantage point on a train. She gets on the train and sits there. Well, then whoever's holding the camera starts whistling a tune that Duplass's character has already done. So in the movie, so you just naturally assume and they lock eyes. Um, but oh, in that gosh. moment, that was one of the few dings i might have against the movie is i i think it's a bit of a stretch that she survives i think it's mm. a real stretch that he survived you know I mean, Sur- like, survived like, that yeah yeah, yeah. i mean you yeah, got absolutely. you got clocked from the back of the head by a metal shovel and and blood splatters the the camera yeah um, no i agree i agree and that's what's really that's what's really fascinating about the film and that's we won't know until creep three but that's what's fascinating about the film is the way this franchise with only two entries has established itself as a subversion. I don't know if you know this, but on IMDb, it says Creep 3 and it says in development, but it doesn't even have a cast list. Oh, really? Like, like we don't know definitively if he did survive because it's it's just heavily implied. All of it is just heavily implied, but we don't know that it's him holding that camera. We don't know. I mean, well, I mean, I I hear what you're saying. I do think the implication is is close enough to Oh, the implication explicit. is Yeah, the implication is almost almost definitive. But again, I I lean back on this is a film and now a franchise that has sort of made its name on subverting expectations. Yeah, so I just don't yeah, know, you yeah. know? So, uh, but, but yeah, you're not incorrect that, or the, I, I mean, as long know. as the third movie has full frontal male nudity, I'm there. I, I don't know what to respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I no longer know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm subverting the moment. I'm taking the last hundred episodes of fear of God and just subverting it, you know, <laughs> oh, um, making you legitimately uncomfortable. Um, I've got, I mean, this is actually an unexpectedly brisker conversation than I anticipated, but, but that's okay. You know, I that's, mean, that's all right. That's right. That's we're subverting right. expectations. We are. People are, we're, we're people are usually people are like, oh, hour and we, a half, two hours. We used to like two hour conversations. They're like a 30 minute mark. Um, well, it's not, well, it's not over yet. So let's, it's just- <laughs> true. It's true. It's true. I really only, well, I guess why I was saying that is like, I really only have one thematic element that's really meant to be just a springboard for conversation. I don't know what you sure, got. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, so I think one of the reasons I think this movie is strong is, is even thematically it does different things. Like what I came away from the first creep film feeling, I really didn't with this one. Um, mm. And if anything, I think, there's a conversation to be had here about that. I am a serial killer monologue and there's this, I, I suppose famous quote that's been going on around for a couple of years now on the social medias and don't ask me to attribute it correctly, but basically it's the notion of when someone tells you who they are, believe them this idea. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I guess I just want to camp out there for a few minutes and see if it takes us anywhere. But like, I just wonder, you know, you watch this film and I think one of the strengths of this film is that though 
and and one more subversive aspect what is generally perceived as a sort of weaker specimen in terms of physicality and what could she hold her own against uh, a man a female character you know you are naturally concerned for her right kind of from go in part because of historical gender kind of conventions but then when he is so forthcoming with his behavior and history and you're like no girl get out of there right Um, right and i guess i just i just i i don't have much more to to sort of launch us there other than to just say like what do we do with the people who buy their words and buy their actions just reveal who they are and and Mm -hmm. and and in like in this movie's instance the who they are that is revealed is not just unhealthy, but dangerous. Right, right. And yet we kind of indulge or pacify or accept because it further ac- accept what is given because it furthers our own kind of ambitions. You right, know what I mean? right. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> let me let me scratch at this because you you had a. Uh, this idea of when somebody says who they are, believe them. One of the things that I find really interesting about initially what this film is, is sort of doing and maybe, and it's not, it's not immediately obvious, but in reflection, it's obvious. He is being more authentic to her than she is being to him. He doesn't even give her his real name. Right. And, but he is being more. That is a great moment when he was like, that's your real name, isn't it? Huh? Oh, you yes, know, that, yes, that's great. Yes. That's great. Yeah, but she's there under the facade of trying to obtain this. You know, like, well, she doesn't even mention encounters. Like, she doesn't even do that. She's just right, answering right. this ad. She doesn't mention it. It becomes it's a surprise to her when it's revealed later in the film that he already knows about her web series, and so it's just interesting to me that. He is being more truthful and authentic with her, even in the midst of all of his chaos sure. than she is being with him. You know, she's constantly she's constantly sort of playing a game of like, hey, I have to chase this. I have to get this footage. I have to get this thing. And so it's fascinating to me how, yeah, people reveal who they are by their words and by their actions. And meanwhile, we act incredulous like that that's not real that's not you know you're not serious you don't really mean it and then it's so easy for us in subtle and accidentally manipulative ways to to live entire facetious lives to where we're in all of our encounters we're uh, i'm thinking of that chris rock uh, bit where he said you you know you don't meet somebody right you, you meet, meet the their representative rep- yeah, yeah you yeah. meet their representative and I think that's really an easy trap to fall into to where we're we're basically being the representative to people all around us and kind of presuming the same of them. Whereas in in moments like this, we would. Yeah, we would be inclined to just it's funny how we we talked last week about fear mongering and like promoting fear and all this other sort of stuff. And I wonder if there's this weird juxtaposition where we will 
in biblical language, strain at a gnat and swallow a camel, like we will raise up, be afraid of that, be afraid of that, be afraid of this, be afraid of this. Meanwhile, somebody else is like, by the way, I'm a serial killer. And we're like, <laughs> he, what, how funny. What a jokester. Right. You know, and and to put that in some real world context for some people will be like, what are you saying, Reed? Where it's this notion of be afraid of that people group. Be afraid of this trend. Uh, slippery slope over here. Dangerous trend over here. Be afraid of. You know, be afraid of all these sort of political and social ideologies or whatever. Meanwhile, a man stands up and says, yeah, I could shoot someone in the in the middle of Times Square and not. Right. I don't remember. His lose exact voters, quote, lose voters. And not lose voters. And so it's one of those things where and I'm not, you know, picking on him in that moment. I'm just saying like, hey, it's easy for us to dismiss certain more subtle and insidious things, which are actually not that subtle. But do you think, uh, okay, so this, this is good. Hey, Reed. Hi, buddy. Welcome, welcome to number two. <laughs> um, because I'm trying to mentally, and it's difficult at 11 o'clock Eastern time with a couple of beverages in me and uh, mental acuity slightly diminished, but I'm trying to wrestle down some of what I'm trying to figure out here. Like, on the one hand, I want to be respectful of the complexity of the human animal, right? You know, like Hmm. we are a confluence of competing impulses that one sort of day to the next, one hour to the next, one minute to the next sometimes can one less healthy might win over what we would want the more healthy to be instead, you know, like, like, right. Right. We are not just one thing. And so that's sort of what I, I think that's the challenge against when someone tells you who they are, believe them. Like the challenge is, well, people are complex. I, so, so there's two thoughts here. One is you pay attention to trends, right? Like, right. Right. What is, what is the history? What is the sum of a life? You know, what is the sum of, and, and you and I are, are old to in our own heads, but are, are, young in the span of a a typical lifespan. Um, Right. But what is the general trend of one's life and and how might we make certain assertions based on observing that trend? But something that is coming to me that, that maybe fits this more kind of faithful conversation mold is, you know, because what, what it seemed like you were trying to position there a minute ago was it's almost like all we observe in each other is this chaotic complexity you know like well and again it's an easy it's an easy example here but it is it does fit a lot of these columns here i could shoot someone on fifth avenue and not lose voters like you and i you know sub in someone who's not our current president to kind of diminish some of that but it's like you and i would hear that and think what oh my god why would anyone still be on this person's sort of side or whatever Oh, but right, part right. of that is just because that part of that is just because hyperbole rules are our, our conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm trying to to sort of wrestle down here is the simplicity of the biblical notion of letting your yes be yes and your no be no. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Right. And how we're so flagrant and careless and thoughtless about our speech. Right. 
And so when someone says something that's indicative of extremely kind of negative behavior or thought patterns, because we, we occupy and populate an entire culture with hyperbole and, and cynicism and sarcasm. We're like, Mm. Oh, locker room talk. Like, uh, Mm. what? Right. You know, like we, we, because we've so watered down sincerity and earnestness and thoughtfulness and tenderness and direct heartfelt speech. Right. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this, no, I'm, no, just, no. I'm just sort of thinking out loud here. Well, here's the here's the other element of it, too, because I'm thinking in in context and, and this, this is a comp- these are complicated issues that we're butting up against. And, you know, th- th- this is not necessarily the the moment to have this full conversation. Um, I mean, the towels are we'll off, Reed. The towels <laughs> are off. <laughs> but like I have thought a lot about the similarities between people. Uh, OK, so let me let, let me say this. So I have thought long and hard about the differences we take between those who have said or done inappropriate things and had careers and legacies completely vanished and careers and legacies completely washed away and how I juxtapose that with our president and what he has said publicly. And 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 this is this is me exploring, not explaining this thing and wrestling through this. Will you clarify will you clarify a little bit like what Okay, maybe, I'm maybe referring you're getting there. Spe- let me let me let me just go ahead and You're I saying why do certain people lose careers and this person doesn't? Is that yeah? Sort of like like right. how do we how do we reconcile what happens to a Roseanne and what happens to a James Gunn and what happens to a Donald Trump or doesn't at those moments? How right. do we how do we justify those things? One person makes uh, and I, and I won't be vague. Roseanne makes a comment that when read appears to be blatantly racist and disrespectful. She swears up and down that it was misinterpreted and misunderstood. She she has a legacy of conspiracy theorizing and, you know, uh, provocation on the Internet and everything. And so she swears up and down that it was not that uh, a few of those close to her basically are saying like, hey, I know her not to be this person, blah, blah, blah. She loses that loses that show, has to, you know, now we have the Connors and all this other sort of stuff. So that's point one. Then you have James Gunn, who built his career as a provo- as a provocateur and made all of these jokes about admittedly very crass and, and very distasteful subjects to the degree that six years ago he apologized and distanced himself from those tweets that he had made, um, saying that he regret he regretted them then, he regrets them now, all this other sort of stuff. His uh, career with Disney and Marvel uh, is now over and gone and done with. And that's point number two. He's, he's done with. And in his case, Roseanne's a bit more of a divisive case. In James Gunn's case, there were, uh, you know, a plethora of people sort of coming to his aid, and I would say much more people sort of coming to his aid and defense than came to Roseanne's by my sort of estimation of the internet percentages. And so you've got that. But then you have the President of the United States, who, not while campaigning, but was revealed and released while campaigning some despicable and distasteful things that were said off camera 
or, or what they were said on camera, but they on weren't, mic. you know, right, right, yeah, right. they were said on mic. Um, he says these things and he, uh, you know, apologizes for them. I'm not getting into conversations where people may think I'm going. He apologizes for them, calls it locker room talk. And I admit that the circumstances are a bit different. He was elected by the United States of America, not, um, you know, hired by Disney, but relatively ramification free in terms of those like because by the way that tape was released prior to his election and so in my head where i'm going with all of this again i don't have a bumper sticker i don't have a profound statement that i'm about to make i'm exploring because this is a complex issue that i'm trying right, to wrap my head right, around. right right what happens to a roseanne what happens to a james gunn what doesn't happen to a donald trump what, where where do we reconcile right and good and belief and jokes and and comedy and not comedy and carelessness with our speech and not carelessness with our speech and intentional provocation and accidental racism and all of these other sorts of things? How do we reconcile all of these sort of cause and consequence well, with these things? Are you is that rhetorical? You want some feedback? No, please do. Yeah, none of our conversations I know, are rhetorical. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I just like being asked for my thoughts and um, saying the word rhetorical. No, nah, there are better words out there, but that's, <laughs> that is a, that is a decent one. Um, well, one in the case of Donald Trump, regardless, love him or hate him, the the mechanism currently kind of protects him from these sorts of things. You know, exactly. If the mechanism yes, exactly. doesn't want to punish, it won't. Um, but it's it's really funny. Like um, about ten minutes ago. I had this thought and I was like, well, that's too lofty for it. It was, it, it was in the moment. It felt like too lofty a concept to throw in the mix, but your questions are leading me to this, to say, to, to throw it in here. Like to me, a few steps down the road from yes, being yes and no being no is, is what does repentance look like? Mm -hmm. Because, and I know you and I would be sympathetic on this, but like, and even let's let's in as much as we can, let's take the Roseanne out of it, but it is worthy of conversation and comparison. Let's talk about James Gunn. We haven't done that yet. Like what, what a crappy we're in number two series. What a crappy <laughs> thing that has happened here because I think, you know, and, and I am not importing these things from just anywhere. Uh, 15 minutes ago, I said, when someone tells you who they are, believe them. James Gunn's career, creative output, and verbal dialogue in culture has shown us who he is. And that is That's a man yes. who has repented of these more volatile, provocational, intentionally provocational bits of whatever, com you know, pseudo comedy he had put out in the world at what he would even have said was a very dark time in his life. Like mm -hmm. that is difficult to ignore. And right. in fact, right. I don't think should be ignored. Like this is, you know, I didn't know you were going down this path and introducing I didn't either. these, these <laughs> test cases, but you're making my point. Like what the sum of a life that doesn't mean people aren't permitted grace, forgiveness, and the opportunity for repentance. That's, that's why I invoke that that word here right. but it does mean we just just the the observation of a life you know a james gunn who my gosh unrelated to this most recent blow up i think it was between guardians one and two i remember him 
releasing this kind of statement in light of the success of maybe the first one, maybe the, I can't remember where it fell chronologically, releasing this statement of, of pure, unadulterated gratitude for where he was in light of where he had been in life. Yeah. And is right, that right, not right. repentance? Like, right, I understand. This right. is who I was. It was not a thing or person or behavior that I am proud of. This mm-hmm. is now who I am. I am grateful for that transformation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, and you've got, and I don't want, I don't want to dwell too much on these, but these are good comparison cases. You've got a Roseanne who, again, you and I are not privy to the most, much less these people's hearts, but definitely they're in most circles. So we are basing this purely on our own kind of casual observations, right, but, right. but having an interest in not just the media landscape, but in sort of the conversation as well. And Someone who it feels like, and you make this conversation point a lot, got caught. Mm, mm-hmm. And hear me, repentance can come crashing hard on you in the midst of having gotten caught. Right. But it looks a lot different to to the sum of a life that is defined by intentional, mean-spirited provocation that is deliberately laced with harmful and hateful speech Mm -hmm. speech like these things these things are all intertwined right and i don't totally know how to pivot all this back to the movie per se other than to just sort of say like we there are safe places for the casual speech you and i are a safe place for each other our Mm -hmm. listeners are a safe place for you and i like right there is respect, there is deference, there is appreciation, there is, you know, uh, uh, grace shown um, when someone who might be a Trump fan hears Nathan go off. Like, I I think at this point, you and I have sort of earned some of that, not especially with each other. And that's what really matters here. But like, there is a place for that. But doggone, man, you've, you've got, and there's this weird thing that's happening in our society right now, where it's like, and, and, and gun is a perfect example. Like, well, you know, Brian Stevenson talks about, we are, we are more than the worst thing we've ever done. Right. You know? Right. And I, and I just think that is a, a, a good touch point definition for grace, you know, like, mm. you, you know, now, yeah, there are going to be natural consequences for our actions sometimes, and we can't ignore those things. But in at least the cases you've thrown out, I think a gun had done plenty of time for uh, personal flagellation right, for right. those quote unquote things he had done. Anyway, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of, well, let me try to bring it back to the film. Yeah. Yeah. With this, that one, one element of the film that almost gets lost. I mean, it's, it's never actively lost in the construction of the film, but it almost gets lost in terms of what you're not mindful of it. But that's that's part of the problem is that you're not mindful of it is the camera. The camera Mm. is on you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned earlier and I still feel this way that the quote unquote Aaron, you know, what whatever Mark Duplass's real name is, we don't know. But in this film, he's Aaron and whatever Aaron is doing feels at least initially like he's being more honest than Sarah is being, even though he's not using his real name and she is using hers. But. I remember making this observation with like the the rise of reality television where like 
the real world, you know, when people stop getting polite, stop being polite and start getting real, you know, and then you have like Big Brother and all these competition, reality competition shows. And I can remember thinking, and I still feel this way. It's like, it is impossible. I think it is impossible to know a camera is on you and and not be like heightened somewhat. Right, maybe, right, right. Maybe if you spend enough hours around it that it gets normalized, then yes, maybe the facade does fall down and maybe that's exactly how these reality shows sort of developed their their more outrageous moments. But it's like when a camera is on you, you are going to be heightened to a degree. And I feel like what people forget in sort of the social media world is, social, is like, I think we've forgotten in our casual speech nature how public everything is. We've forgotten how, like, the camera is on you. We right now are recording this episode. It will broadcast. Like, the camera is on us. And and I think you and I are authentic enough. It helps that we have you know, nearly two decades of friendship. So there's an authenticity that it just automatically comes with whenever you and I dialogue with one another. But it's one of those things where when you're examining this, how much can you really, like you said, and, and when you, when someone says who they are, believe them, but how much can you, can we even really trust the self that we present when we're at least subconsciously aware that the, that the mic is on? Or that the camera is on and how much of that is authentic, how much of it is fabrication and provocation, how much of it is. Well, I know that there's a tremendous amount that is carelessness, sort of widespread carelessness with our language, with our persona, with with us just not being mindful of what certain things might mean. And it's funny because the way what makes creep and creep two, creep two, especially what makes them work is you as the audience member have no idea what's going to happen next. And right. when you think you know what's going to happen next, then that it basically it turns that on its head and says, nope, you thought we, you thought we were going to hide this. We're going to actually reveal this. You thought we were going to save this. We're actually going to bring it out now. Like it subverts all of those things, and it constantly puts you off your guard. Well, I feel like... Social media is kind of that and then sort of the public nature of all of these things is kind of that similar beast like you don't know what I'll say next. You don't know what I'll you don't know what I'll do next. And and suddenly authenticity is not prided as much as provocation because authenticity is not going to get that many likes. Authenticity is right. not going to get that many retreats. Provocation will. And oh, there's a mountain of studies, yeah, that are sort of validating what you're saying, that negativity is far more yes. wildfire in a social media setting than positive things. Absolutely. But, 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 and I apologize if I'm cutting you off here. And no, I'm no, no, you're fine. Steering us further away from the movie and we need to start, you know, heading towards home. But, and hear me, as someone who does not, <laughs> our listeners i just said hear me and i think that was somebody's bingo card slot. oh it definitely um, was <laughs> oh, on it see performance like you guys have made us self-conscious of our very intimate <laughs> conversations here um but you know i, I am not I, I am not a great practitioner of these things that said jesus seems so clearly definitive about the need to cultivate an interior self Mm-hmm. And I, t I, I texted you about this a while ago. I was listening to an interview with a couple of the, and maybe I, I don't know who they are precisely uh, or their names right now, but 
the showrunners for Black Mirror and Be Right Back came up and mm. one of their rules for Donald Gleason's uh, replicant character was that he was always broadcasting. So he was uh, never he was never input. He was always output broadcast. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a perilous danger of our current world and, and we are doing it to ourselves but is why the the sort of still small voice kind of verbiage is so cutting and so appealing because there's no other way to be to know yourself mm-hmm. and maybe even to know god other than to stop broadcasting mm. and and go into your closet you know, yeah. and, 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 and all those, the verbiage and, and phrasing about what is done in secret and what is done in private and, you know, you know, versus what is done for all to see and, and they have earned their reward kind of idea. Right. Well, I, I'm just, oh my I'm gosh, no, 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 yeah, like don't please. lose that because that is, that is, that is the problem. I, I say the problem that, I mean, it's part of the artifice of creep is he so Sarah doesn't want to have legitimate encounters. She wants to broadcast encounters sure. so that she can, you know, receive likes. She gets, you know, deeply upset and she's and the reason she steps into a dangerous situation is because she says maybe this is what the show's been missing. Only nine right, people watched right, the right, last right. one. So who cares about authenticity? Maybe provocation is what's actually going to get it in here. And what does Aaron Josh in the last film, what does he do? He films all this stuff. It's all through this. It feels to me, based on kind of where we're going in this conversation and understanding the narrative of creep, it feels like he knows the biggest tool I will be able to use is I will be able to grab somebody who cannot turn the camera off, who wants to have the camera going at all times, wants the footage, wants to see through the lens of this camera. And that's how I'm going to sort of ensnare them is through this little device that I'm going to invite them to. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend it's some secret hidden thing. I'm just going to be uh, basically utilize the sort of broadcast element of it. Like you said, like no input, no authenticity, turn the camera off. Let's have a real moment. It's I'm going to feed that idea that you always have to be broadcasting, that the camera can't turn off. And I'm going to use that to draw them in and trap them to where by the time they want to escape, they're already out in the woods and they're staring at the, that the grave that's already been dug. And now there's nowhere but, to go. But even more than that, like there's such a way in which, Josh slash Aaron's behavior feels so not premeditated, you know, in this conversation of performative lifestyle, like your, your inability to not broadcast when it's always on. I mean, think about it. Like he's Josh in one film, he's Aaron in the next, he's peach fuzz occasionally. Like now a third film may totally divert and, and subvert this notion, but is there a real him? Right, right. Because all right. he does is perform, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. and I think that's a pretty staggering question for all of us, you know, like, right. you have to, you have to, <laughs> I, I was about to make a, a strong statement of like, is there a you to save if you don't know who you are, you know, like, is it, well, but, but I, I wouldn't, dis, <laughs> I wouldn't dismiss this because that is, that is who in our, in, 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 well, I say our, I believe you would side with me on this in my faith understanding, like 
your authentic self is the is the one Christ is after. He, ca- sure. he could not care less about your artifice. He could not right. care less about right. your performance. Right. Could not care less about whatever you broadcast. Your authentic self is who he's after. Who you are when the camera is off. Who you are when the mic is off. Who you are when we're not broadcasting. That is who Christ wants. That is who he wants to be in communal relationship with. That's the, that is what we're, we're ultimately after. But we continue to develop scenarios in which it is, it is nothing but the, the, the broadcast. It is nothing but, and I mean, here, like, we could get real meta. We're not pointing fingers at anybody. We're having this conversation over a podcast. We get it. Right. Okay. But I think there's a legitimacy to, you have to, you said on the Black Mirror episode from that Sherry, from that, uh, uh, Sherry Turkle article that it's like you have to practice conversations with authentic human beings. There are moments that will never be broadcast for anybody that are more vital and important to your well-being and your spiritual health, your emotional health, your mental health. There are moments that will never be recorded that are much more significant than anything that will ever be officially documented than anything that will ever be officially broadcast. And you have to be attentive to those moments because that's, I will say this, and maybe this statement is really strong, but you can present yourself as somebody who, Hey, I just want to document it because I've got cancer and I just want to document for my son and for my family. That's from the first film of creep. Or you can straight up say like, Hey, I'm a serial killer. I will lure people to their death. I've killed 39 people. Like regardless of whatever it is you say to the broadcast, when the cameras are off, you are alone. You are by yourself. You are in that private secret place. That is the, that is the person that is the being that Christ wants to redeem. That is the person that Christ wants to call forth into wholeness and into faithful living. That's who he's after, not the persona, because ultimately, and maybe this gets back to what we were scratching at with the 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 president we elected, the who Donald Trump is as a flesh and blood human being in his private moments with these conversations. That Because I definitely believe there's an artifice and there's a real, and then with Roseanne, there's an artifice and there's a real with James Gunn. There's an artifice and there's a real. And the real is what is what Christ, I believe, is most attended to and most after. I heard a statement, and, and maybe this can be our sort of uh, pivot to to wind down. I'll go ahead and say that the, you know, the scripture verse I think that's most appropriate is that what we keep referencing, that Matthew 5.37, um, that let your yes be yes and your no, no, and anything more than that comes from the evil one. But I heard somebody make a, a statement. This was a preacher who was sort of um, scratching at something where he said, you know, it's really easy to lash out against the culture. It's really easy to lash out against someone and say, man, uh, if you're from the more conservative, if you're more from the sort of um, fundamental ideas, you might look at and say, oh, well, Hollywood is just promoting all this stuff. You would look at a uh, somebody from the 80s like a Madonna and say, wow, she's just it's just flagrant sexuality. It's just flagrant, uh, flagrant provocation. That's all that is. And this preacher was observing. He said, what we don't realize is that the Lord looks at that and desperately wants that person to be redeemed and in relationship with them, like desperately wants them to just remove the artifice and cast it down. And it is so easy for us to point fingers at the Roseannes or if you're in that camp from to the James Guns or speaking 
hopefully with some challenging conviction to you and I, to the Donald Trumps and say like, hey, let us not lose sight that there is a real flesh and blood human being there that the Lord wants to be in communal relationship with and that the artifice ultimately may matter to the the direction of society. It may matter to the social trends. It may matter to the hashtags, but it ultimately all that matters to the Lord is who that person is in that secret private self when the broadcast stops and when the camera is put down and that's the person that Christ is after. And if we can maybe remember that, maybe there'll be some shifting perspective and we'll begin to recognize that when, hey, when a person does stop broadcasting and tells you who they are, believe them and and address that and not necessarily who they tell you through broadcast but who they tell you in the real and i don't i don't know this you know the, maybe there's more that could be scratched at with this conversation but i think it really just comes down to who who the lord is really after is who you are when the broadcast stops who you are sure. when when the the when it's not an episode of encounters or a ploy to lure some new victim in your serial killer trend that's that's right, who the lord right. is after um all right yeah wow this went to some funky places <laughs> but uh but no i mean like i i think there's some some good stuff to scratch out there hopefully hopefully our listeners agree are you ready to sort of rip the towel off and bring in old old david s pumpkins oh my towel has been long gone brother <laughs> but yeah 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 let's do that so welcome david s pumpkins to creep <laughs> two uh measured on style scares and substance i will start um okay. this second number two entry uh in terms of style i'm gonna give it a four um right. i think it is strong i think its strength is in relationship to the first film so you know respecting respecting that it does what it does very well to me yeah i i will sit right there with you with the four uh debated about giving it a four and a half but that that good subset of about 15 minutes towards the end where it lags for me kind of dings down that half a point but yeah i think it's an easily earned four for style it is very clever it is very smart and sharp which is all the more impressive when you remember that it was created through improvisation so yes it's very very good uh what about what about you for scares for scares uh like we've already mentioned i think the first film is kind of creepier uh scarier as it were this one is uh, more sort of spends time with dark comedy and then pivots towards a little bit more unsettling things towards the end so for scares i, th I feel three and a half feels right for this oh, wow. film All yeah right. so That's actually a little higher than i'm expecting so um, i think for me um you are pulling me up a little bit here i'm gonna go for a three like right. I just, I, 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 my impulse was two and a half, but I like you and you know, I, I don't want to be, uh, alone in my thoughts. So, um, <laughs> I'm going to go with the three. Um, I, I do, it's got an, I do think it's got, you know what? No, I'm going to change it. I'm going to be me. I'm going to go two and a half because All I right. just, All right. I don't think it is a scary movie. I think it's got some really great black comedy to it. I think those two and a half points are representative of holdover from the first film and what I took in with it, as well as that last kind of 15 minutes. But sure, I don't, sure. I don't think it's very scary. Um, as far as substance goes, um, I'm going to give it, I mean, clearly we drew a lot out of it. Like, and I think this is a thoughtful film. Mm -hmm. um, improvisation or not does not or rather improvisation does not suggest whatsoever carelessness and I think they were very intentional and very thoughtful about what they were putting in here and worked very hard to make it 
say something distinct and be something different than its first entry. So right. I'm going to go for a four. All right. All right. Um, this one's tough for me um, because I feel like a lot of what I love about the film is actually in its stylistic choices rather than its thematic choices. I'm actually uh, in a rare pivot. I'm going to go a little down. I'm going to go three and a half for substance. I think there are some interesting <laughs> things there, but it's uh, this is why you're a great human being. The way you qualified that, I was expecting like a two, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna go a half point less. I'm gonna than go just slightly, <laughs> slightly below, but uh, but yeah, because I mean, I do think that there's I do think that there's some substance there. I think there's probably quite a bit, um, but most of what I responded to were sort of more the stylistic choices than anything else. Um, so that brings number two, part two, which is creep two, to a whopping seven. David S. Pumpkins. That dun, feels, dun, dun. Yes, that feels I, appropriate. I like that. Um, so, yeah, read. This is fun. We oh, are I'm loving the, it. I'm loving it. We're in the middle of a three episode number two. I mean, it's I mean, I don't know what you ate, but it was not <laughs> it was not good. Feels like uh, we're right back there in grandma's bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Pass the God post. Um, next week, uh, we will be discussing the second entry in the Purge series, that of Purge Anarchy. Anarchy. Um, Reed, thank you so much for this rather robust conversation. I will see you next week. And folks, we will be, we'll see, we, we like that phrasing. We'll see y'all next week <laughs> as well. Bye, everybody. Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can follow us on Twitter, at The Fear of God. You can like and follow us on Facebook, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. You can follow us on Instagram, at Fear of God Podcast. Go to morethanonelesson.com for show notes, or to leave a comment on this post or any of the other official episode posts. Email us at fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or review. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.